That. Let's look here in Daniel chapter 4 tonight, and um, <clears throat> we'll begin reading in verse 34, and I can't, I don't know who all was here last Wednesday night or who wasn't, so I'm, I'm not going to re-preach the, the first three verses we preached from, but hopefully tonight we'll make a little bit more ground here in this fourth chapter, and uh, I, I decided to slow down a little bit and not rush through. Um, I have no plans or thoughts or uh, desire to, to go to any other church. And as far as I know, it is business meet night, but as far as I know, uh, y'all don't have plans on uh, sending us packing anytime soon. Um, and uh, so I'm not going to rush. And, and if I don't end this and Jesus comes back, then we get to heaven. We'll sit down with Daniel and let him tell us the whole, the whole story. And that'd be, that's going to be wonderful. Isn't it? Somebody said that stuff like that's not going to happen. You don't know it. You don't know that. I don't know that it isn't, but you don't know that it's not neither. And, um, but let's look here in verse number uh, 34, <coughs> chapter number 4. I do covet your prayers and pray that you'd ask the Lord to help us tonight. The Bible says this, And at the end of the days, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted up mine eyes unto heaven, and my understanding returned unto me. And I blessed the Most High, and I praised and honored Him that liveth forever, whose dominion is an everlasting dominion, and His kingdom is from generation to generation. And all the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing. And he doeth according to his will in the army of heaven. And among the inhabitants of the earth, and none can stay his hand, or say unto him, What doest thou? At the same time, my reason returned unto me, and for the glory of my kingdom, mine honor and the brightness returned unto me. And my counselors and my Lord sought unto me, and I was established in my kingdom. An excellent majesty was added unto me. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol and honor the King of heaven, all whose works are truth, and his ways judgment, and those that walk in pride, he is able to abase. Let's pray. Father, I ask you to help me tonight, Lord. And Father, I pray you'd strengthen me, Lord, and quicken my heart and my mind. And I pray, Lord, that you'd speak to me and you'd speak through me to those that are here tonight. I pray, Lord, that as I speak and preach, that you'd preach. And that, Lord, those that are here this evening, that none of us, not one that's in this room or one that's watching at home or listening in days to come, would think that this does not apply to them or this is not for them. But Father, I pray tonight that each one of us would treat this as a personal message straight from your hand to ours. And I pray that we'd receive it, we'd apply it, we'd obey it, and we'd leave here tonight better people for being in your house. And if there's one tonight that's here or watching or listening that's lost, I pray tonight, Lord, that you'd peel the scales off their eye. And Lord, you'd breathe upon them and speak unto them and draw them and allow them come to a saving faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And we'll give you the honor and the glory, Lord, for everything that's done. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. Now, when you read your Bible, I'll, I think I've said this before, but I'll say it again. Um, when you're studying the Bible and you're looking in the, book, in the books of the Bible, the chapters of the Bible, the verses of the Bible, <clears throat> there are keys, if you would, that open up the text, open up the chapter, open up the book. And um, now, when you look for those keys, um, a lot of times it's like when you hide a key, you know, we, 
my daddy taught, we had keys hid to everything. I mean, there was keys, backup keys hid for the backup keys. You know what I'm saying? And I promise you, you go to uh, 4129 Fallen Water Court tonight, and I can take you to two or three. I know where they are. He's got those, seat, those fake rocks and everything. I mean, there's keys everywhere. On his cars, there's keys. He taught us to always hide keys. But when, you hide, when the keys are hid more times than not, they're going to be front. They're going to be close to the front door, or they're going to be close to the back door. And sometimes in the Bible, you'll find the key at the first part of a chapter or the first part of the book. But this chapter is different. The key is in the back, the, the last part of the chapter. Look in verse thirty-seven. Here it is. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol and honor the King of Heaven. All whose works are truth and his ways judgment and those that walk in pride, he is able to abase. There's the, that's what this whole chapter is about. That those that walk in pride. Now, when the Bible talks about walking in something, it's not talking about a one-time thing or a momentary thing, but it's talking about a habitual thing, a continual thing. And he said, those that stay in pride, those that live in pride, those that walk in pride and continue in pride, uh, he said, God is able to abase, to bring them down. And I began last week, I want you to turn back to the first part of the chapter, preaching from this, and the, and the thought or the title is, Be Humble or Be Humbled. And tonight, I want you to know that pride is a sickness or a disease that none of us are immune to. And here's the difference between what this is talking about there's moments where pride may enter your heart, where it may enter your mind. You might say something that's prideful, or you may think something that's prideful, or you may do something that's prideful, uh, but the Lord convicts you about it. Have you ever done that? You ever, and, 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 and almost when the words come out of your mouth, and before you said, man, I shouldn't have said that, I shouldn't have thought that, I shouldn't have. And, 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 but there is a difference in that and living a life that's full of pride. This was not a one moment, one day problem for Nebuchadnezzar. This was something that had been going on for a long, long time. And Nebuchadnezzar learned that the king of heaven could bring down anybody that was lifted up by pride. I want to say tonight that we need to all pray, ask God to help us to walk humbly before him. And to, and to keep the right attitude, one man said that pride is a person that lifts up their head when everybody else is bowing down their head. And that's exactly what he was. That, as the man, he had become so over time, he had allowed his success, he had allowed the things that he had done go to his head, and he became so full of himself but there came a day of reckoning where God said enough is enough and God humbled this proud man. I want to say tonight that I pray and I hope you pray that God would help me to be humble so I don't have to be humble. This was an embarrassing episode in Nebuchadnezzar's life. Now last week in verses 1 through 3, we talked about there was a hymn full of praise. The Bible's a hymn book. Did you know that? 
we have it, but the Bible, the whole book of Psalms is a hymn book. And in verses 1 through 3, the most unlikely author wrote one of the greatest hymns in the Word of God, Nebuchadnezzar. And by the way, this is him writing and, 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 and uh, talking about this episode that had happened in his life after it was over. And he gave God all the glory and all the praise for what he had done in his life. Now in verse 4, the Bible says, I, Nebuchadnezzar, was at rest in my house and flourishing in my palace. I saw a dream, here it is, which made me afraid. And the thoughts upon my bed and the visions of my head, do you see that? Troubled me. Trouble me. And so we said there was a hymn full of praise. But I want you to see tonight, we're just going to look at this and maybe hopefully get down to verse 27. I'm just going to, not. don't worry, we're not going to give you a, a, a Hebrew definition of every word. And we're not, but I want, to, I want you to get the picture of this chapter about being, I, I really think that this is one of those types of truths that all truth is good. I'm not making, no, but if a person can learn, if you boys and girls at a young age can learn to be humble and to, and to live in humility, then it'll save you from a lot of bad things in your life. Amen. We said there was a hymn full of praise, but now we see there's a head that's full of problems. He said in verse 5, he said, The visions of my head trouble me. Now he wasn't talking about people looking at his head. You understand what I'm saying? He's talking about the, what he was looking at. He said, I had head problems. He said, my head, he said, I saw things. I, he had a dream and, and he said that what I saw, what I experienced, it troubled me, his head. Now listen, if you had looked at him, uh, if you had walked by that palace and looked, you would have saw him and you would have said, man, he's got it going on. He's got uh, this palace. He's got not, not one palace, not two, but three palaces. He's got the kingdom. He lives in the greatest city in the whole world. Two million people uh, lived inside the walls of Babylon. He has been ruling now for almost 40 years. And you would have looked at him from the outside looking in. He would have been somebody that everybody wanted to be like. But the truth is that things on the outside oftentimes don't match what's going on on the inside. And if you could see inside of his head, you'd realize he had a head full of problems. I don't want you to raise your hand. And I don't want you to point your finger, men or women, at your husband or wife, but have you ever known or have you ever been through some head problems? Yeah. And I want to say tonight that there's kind of, they're really the worst kind of problems that you have to deal with. Because it's, un, it's invisible to everybody else. He laid in his bed in the midst of this big, luxurious palace and this nice, I mean, you know, everything he had was the best that could be had. And as he laid there, he couldn't enjoy any of it because he had a head that was full of trouble. Now, I want to say this. I'll be careful how I say it. Mental illness is real. Yeah. And I've heard preachers make light of that, make fun of it. One of, I, I mean, I, I, and I want you to know not it's real. And you better be careful making fun about that because it'll get on you if you're not careful. Did you know tonight, I was, I was reading today, they said that 47 million adults in America deal with either anxiety or depression every year. They said that one out of every 20 children deal with anxiety or depression. 
Did you know this? Out of 47 million adults, only 35% get any type of help or counseling or anything. And why is that? Because of pride. We don't want to admit. We want everybody to think that, that everything on the inside right here is as good as everything that's out here. But if we'd all be honest tonight, and this they said that, uh, I can't remember how many it was. It was, it was several million. I should have wrote it down, but you know I'm not good about doing that. But there, it, it was unbelievable how many people go through at least one episode of depression or anxiety every year. And, and listen, I'm saying that that's what Nebuchadnezzar was. He was a man that had a problem in his head. And he couldn't shake it. He couldn't get rid of it. He couldn't get over it. He had a head full of problems. Now I want you to see this in these verses. Verses 4 through 5. I want you to see there's a divine interruption. You know what the devil means for bad, God means for good. And did you know those things that the devil wants to drive us crazy with? God wants to use those things to help us. And so the Bible says that in verse 5, I saw a dream which made me afraid. Now I want you to see this. He had a great peace. Look in verse 4. He said, I was at rest. That word rest means peaceful. I mean, there was no wars going on. At this time now, Daniel has been down there for 40 years. He's not a 16-year-old boy now. He's a 56-year-old man. And, and, and after 40 years, this man, he finally had won all the battles he needed to win. He had finally got the kingdom under his control. He said, I was at rest. Uh, listen, he was a man that had great peace. But I want you to know the peace that he had was not a God-given peace. There is a peace the world can give you, but it's not the same as the peace of God. Listen to what Jesus said in John 14, 27. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Nebuchadnezzar had a carnal peace. He had a fleshly peace. He had plenty of money. He had plenty of power. He had everything that he could want. He said, I was at rest. Uh, he said, I, I mean, it, everything was going right and going good and going well. And listen, he said, it was then that I got a head full of problems. Now look at this. He was in a great place. He said, I was at rest. Here it is, in my house. I saw today someone put a house for sale on uh, Facebook, they said, we're about to sell our house. And uh, I, you know, I, I shouldn't have ever even clicked on it. I'm not looking for a house. I like the house we got. But, but I mean, I was just kind of interested, you know, it was like 17 acres and 3,500 and then a shop and all this. And I thought, I'm just going to see. I clicked on it and, and, and I mean, it about scared me when I seen the price. I mean, look, it was nice. It had wood. I mean, you know what I'm talking about? The wood walls and the... No, I mean, it was fancy. Everything was fancy and nice about it. But did you know that that house that I'm talking about was nothing? Did you know how big his house was? I said it last week. I believe they said it was 200 yards long and 100 yards wide or 200 by 300. Anyway, it was big enough we could put all our houses in it. It was, and by the way, I'd say the little boys and girls, when they walk down, down the streets of Babylon, 
And they looked at that huge palace there on the south side of the, of the city, up on that hill. They probably said, one day I'm going to have a house like that. One day I want to live in a house. My grandmother lived in Gainesville on, on, on North Avenue, which was right off Main Street. It's the old, you know, the old towns where they had the Main Street, the big houses and all. And you go up through there, and I mean, it's just one beautiful house. And we used to ride up through there, and me and John Mary Beth would say, I'm going to live in that house one day. I'm going to live in that house one day. I'm going to live in that house one day. Did you know that everybody wanted to live in Nebuchadnezzar's house? When they did that parade of homes, guess where it ended up? His house. When it was Christmas time and they went to see lights, you know where the, the big show was at? His house. You know when Halloween come around, they didn't celebrate back there, whatever you call it. Uh, uh, but that they, when they went trick-or-treating, nobody went. They went to his house. It was the house. He had a great place. I'd say a lot of people were jealous of that place. A lot of people probably said, if I could, I'd trade my place for his place. I want you to know tonight, some of those people that you look at and you say, man, if I could trade places with them, I would. You might do it, but you'd regret that decision. Because that place didn't bring him what he needed. And he still, even though he had great peace and he had a great place, he still had a head full of problems. Notice this, he was enjoying great prosperity. The Bible says, and flourishing. And flourishing in my palace. That word flourishing, you know, it, it means to be fruitful. It means to be prosperous. He was, I mean, look, everything was going right. I mean, everything was just going as planned. Everything was just turning the way he thought it should and thought it would. And so he, was, he had great peace. He had a great place. He was enjoying a great prosperity, but he still had a head. Now listen to me. Now here's the whole point of what I've said so far. I said that this is a divine interruption. He had all that, but I want to tell you what he didn't have. He did not have a knowledge of God. He did not know God. He, he, he did not have a relationship with God. And I want you to know tonight, the worst thing that God could do for a sinner is allow them to go on in great peace and in a great place and in great prosperity and never interrupt their life. And, and listen... I know that every story is different, every testimony is different, but you all, I've met, I know people that they hit rock bottom and then they turn their eyes to God. They lost their job, they lost their house, they lost their family, they all, or something was going on, their sickness or health, uh, something God interrupted. And listen tonight, I'm, I'm saying that this is a divine interruption in his life. Everything was going good. Everything was going right. And all of a sudden, he has a vision. And his head becomes full of problems. And I'm saying tonight, is this was the mercy of God that he would... Listen, aren't you glad that God didn't let you... Or I'm glad he didn't let me just go to hell in comfort and ease and prosperity. But he allowed a little trouble to come in my life. He allowed my head to get full of trouble. So I turned to him. Verse 6 and 7, there's a disappointing investigation. Now, verse 6, it says, Therefore made a decree to bring... Now, if you didn't read verse 6, now listen, after all we've read in Daniel, if you was Nebuchadnezzar, and you had a bad, this dream, and you didn't know what it meant, what's the first person you're going to call? The book's named after him. This ain't a trick question. Daniel. Y'all remember what happened back when he had that first dream? 
And he called them in. He said, tell me what I dreamed and tell me what it means. And they said, oh, king, uh, well, you, you, you tell us what it means and then we'll tell you. He said, oh, no, I know what y'all are doing. I know how y'all are doing. Forty years later, and he has another bad dream, but who does he turn to? The same crowd. He tries to find answers in the same places that he couldn't find them before. Has it ever bothered you when you see people, they go through the same things over and over again? The same problems, the same, they, they, the same trouble, the same sin, the same addiction, the same habits, the same heartbreak. And, they, and it's, a, it's a cycle. It just goes over and over again. And they, and, they, and they always try to find the answer in the same people. But I want you to know tonight, these men, these, these wise so-called men, uh, these soothsayers, these, these diviners, these astrologers, and 40 years later, listen to me, they still did not have an answer. And you can turn to people. You can turn to alcohol or you can turn to a relationship or a job or a career or whatever it is and you can look for the answer there and you can keep going but you'll never find the answer where you're looking. That's right. A divine interruption, a disappointing investigation. The Bible says in verse 7, they did not make known and made the interpretation thereof. But at the last, Daniel came in before me, whose name was Belshazzar, according to the name of my God, and in whom is the Spirit of the holy gods. Before him I told the dream, saying... Now, I'm not going to read this. The dream was a... Again, it was a wild one. Tree, big tree, wide tree... Fruitful tree, birds in every limb, you know, beast eating under it. And all of a sudden, whoosh, it got cut down. A voice from heaven cried out against it. It was cut down to the ground. And, and we, you know, it, but it, it was, you ever seen one of them trees gets cut and it just wild, the grows up from it. Seven years went by and all of a sudden that tree was restored. And he said, now here's my dream, Daniel. Tell me what I need to hear. But I want you to know tonight that he, he found out in, 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 in this interpretation tonight that the dream didn't mean what he wanted it to mean. The, the, the word or the message that God had for him was not the message that he wanted to hear. But I want you to know tonight, it may not have been what he wanted to hear or what he thought he would hear, but it was exactly what he needed to hear. I want you to know tonight that we are not here in the world that we live in. We cannot follow the pattern the world has, has set and the, and the trends that are going on in the world where we cater what we say to what people want to hear and try to soothe them and make them feel better and tell them what they want and give them what they want. Listen to me tonight. God gives us what we need, not what we want. I want you to notice the man. The Bible says in verse 8, but at last, Daniel. But at last, Daniel. You'd think Daniel would have been first, but he was last. But Daniel didn't come in there and say, well, I could have told you that you shouldn't have talked to them. Why didn't you come to me first? No, that's not how we... That, and by the way, if Nebuchadnezzar is the epitome of pride, I believe Daniel would be the epitome of humility. 
He never took credit. He never, he never gave himself a pat on the back. He never, he, saw, he never saw glory or anything of that nature. But aren't you glad that there was a Daniel for him to turn to? Did you know tonight that you and I may be somebody's last resort? We might be the last. He said at last Daniel. At last Daniel. He had gone to everybody and anybody and he couldn't find an answer but there was one person left and that was old Daniel. And listen tonight. I'd love to be somebody's last resort, wouldn't you? I'd love to be that one. Somebody turned to everyone else but finally they found me and got what they needed. Don't you see this about Daniel? He was a spiritual man. The Bible says in verse 8, in whom is the Spirit of the Holy Gods. In verse 9, I know that the Spirit of the Holy Gods is in thee. Verse number 18, but thou art able for the Spirit of the Holy Gods is in thee. You say, well, he's not saying it right. He wasn't, he wasn't. listen to me, you're talking about a lost man. And Daniel didn't correct him. Oh, King, he's not God's. He's got, he, didn't, he just sat there. He understood what he was trying to say. It's like when somebody gets saved and they testify, they just got saved, they don't want to, and they say, well, I thank God for the preacher, he saved me. They don't mean that the preacher, they meant that he let them, I've, I've seen people, and then somebody's got to get them before they get to the back door and straighten them out and, you know, give them a 400 page book about why they was wrong and, and humiliate them. But, but listen, I'm, the point of the matter is not that, the point of the matter is this, Daniel had something in him that Nebuchadnezzar didn't have in him. He had something in him the other magicians didn't have. He had something that Nebuchadnezzar said, you've got the spirit of the gods in you. You're able to answer when nobody else can answer. You're able to give when nobody else can give. I want to know. I want people to know. He said, I know. I know. I want the world to know there's something in me that's not in everybody else. He was a spiritual man. But look here in verse 19. So he tells him the dream. In verse 19, Then Daniel, whose name was Belshazzar, was a stonied. That doesn't mean he smoked pot. Okay? <laughs> I can hear Miss Diane laughing right now. He said, I was a stonied for one hour. That means he was scared. He was a spiritual man, but he was a scared man. You say, oh, that can't be. It can be. <laughs> Listen to me. He sat there. And what made him scared was what he saw and what he heard. And he and listen, the truth of the matter is, he knew based upon what he saw and what he heard that what he was going to have to tell that king was not going to be a welcome message. I want you to know tonight that he was not a superhero. He was not a super Christian. He was just a man like we are. He had, he had fear in his heart. He had troubles. He had burdens. He had problems. Uh, listen, tonight, uh, listen, no matter how tough we may act to be, if we live long enough, we're going to see something and hear something that's going to make us afraid. He was a scared man. And listen, now, I'm not saying, I'm not encouraging fear, but I'm just going to ask, there's no, no, no point in pretending there isn't fear. You know, people say, well, I'm not scared of this, and I'm not scared of that. You know? And especially these boys are trying to impress, you know, the ladies, and they're, you know, I'm not scared of anything. That gets a lot of boys stomped being that way. A lot of black eyes, loose teeth, broken noses are because of that very thing. You, there's some boys y'all would be afraid of. 
You know what I'm saying? That's where you apply the turn the other cheek and run principle. You know what I'm saying? Don't even get to the cheek turn apart. Just run. Flee. Flee. Like the Bible says. Run. But anyhow, he was a scared man. But look here, verse 19, he was a surrendered man. The Bible says then, Daniel, whose name was Belshazzar, was a stonied for one hour. And his thoughts troubled him. Have you ever been troubled by your thoughts? The king spake and said, Belshazzar, let not the dream or the interpretation thereof trouble thee. Now, now I want you to see this. Verse 9. O Belshazzar, master of the magicians, because I know that the Spirit of the Holy God's in thee. And here it is. And no secret troubleth thee. But in verse 19, he says, let not, he said, let not the dream trouble thee. It's funny how, listen, a lot of times, you know what, where we get in trouble is, we try to live up to the person the world thinks we should be. Nebuchadnezzar said there's nothing scares him. <laughs> oh, he ain't never been scared of nothing in his life. He's, got, he's a Christian. He's a, he's a Hebrew. He knows God. He's got the Spirit of the gods in him. And nothing troubles him in there for an hour. And old King Nebuchadnezzar said, Daniel, <clears throat> Daniel, Daniel. I know Nebuchadnezzar had to know that this ain't going to be good. This ain't going to be good. Like when you was a kid and you heard Dad come in and he shut the door a certain way. You remember that? Yeah. And he had a gait about him, the way he walked. You just knew there was something. There wasn't a pep in his step. It was whooping in his glide. Y'all yeah. know what I'm talking about? You ever, ha you ever had your mom, when you was a child, say your name, and you could just tell what was coming was not good? Right. When, when my mom, when they, we'd just go to confessing. Now, we was careful in what we confessed. We started with the least of crimes we have committed Hoping that we'd hit, the, you know, we'd hit the nail then before we got to the greater, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, whatever you call it, transgressions that we had done. My sister, though, she'd tell all of what we had done, you know. But anyhow, but listen, here's what I'm saying. Daniel had an extremely great amount of pressure on him to be who Nebuchadnezzar thought he was. But I say he was a surrendered man because he wasn't afraid to just be himself. Even though there was somebody there with great power that was wanting him to be something else. I don't know if that makes sense to you. It makes sense to me. If we're not careful, now listen. He said this in verse 13. My Lord, the dream be them to them that hate thee and the interpretation thereof to thine enemies. I'd say right there, Nebuchadnezzar thought, oh yes. All, that tree's my enemies. They're going to get cut down. They're going to be driven out. I'm gonna, you know, and, and, but that wasn't the case. The tree that thou sawest which grew and was strong, whose height reached unto heaven, and the sight thereof to all the earth, whose leaves were fair, and the fruit thereof much. And then it was meat for all, under which the beasts of the field dwelt, and upon whose branches the fowls of heaven had their habitation. Here it is, verse 22. It is thou, O king. It is thou. That art grown and become strong, for thy greatness is grown and reaches unto heaven. And he says this, And thy dominion to the end of the earth. And where is the king? The king saw 
a, a watcher and a holy one coming down from heaven and saying, hew the tree down and destroy it, yet leave the stump of the roots there in the earth, even with a band of iron and brass and the tender grass of the field, and let it be wet with dew of heaven, and let his portion be with the beast of the field till seven times pass over. This is the interpretation, O king, and this is the decree of the Most High, which has come upon my Lord the king, that they shall drive thee from men and thy dwelling. You know how hard it was for him to tell him this. And they shall make thee to eat grass as oxen. And they shall wet thee. Now listen, nobody made Nebuchadnezzar do anything. But he says this, till seven times shall pass over, till thou know that the Most High ruleth in the kingdom of men, and giveth it whomsoever he will. And where is they commanded to leave the stump of the tree roots, thy kingdom shall be sure unto thee. After that thou shalt have known that the heavens do rule. Wherefore, O king, let my counsel be acceptable to thee, and here it is, break off thy sins by righteousness and thine iniquities by showing mercy to the poor if it may be a lengthening of thy tranquility. Now, this is it. I'm done. He was a straightforward man. It would have been very, I'd say, easy for him to, to change the dream a little bit. You know, well, king, this, this tree's it's some king somewhere. I don't really know who. And at some time, I think he's going to fall down. And, but don't worry, he's going to come back. And, 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 and king, you don't have nothing to worry about. You're the best king there's ever been. I love you. You've been good to me. Let's just act like this dream never happened. No, listen, this is what he did. He told him the meaning of the dream. Now listen. And then he told him the message. In verse 27, this is what he told him. Repent. Break off thy sin by righteousness. You know what the Bible says in Romans? Uh, to overcome evil with good. What he was telling him is, Oh king, listen. If you don't want to be cut down. If you don't want to be drove out. If you don't want to be... And by the way, all the warnings of the Bible. That when you read them, all the judgment and all the condemnation. There's always a way to avoid it. There's always a way to, to not go through it. He said, if you don't want to go through what I just told you, he said, you need to repent of your sin. You need to take the bad out and put some good in. Start treating people right. Start loving people. Uh, stop looking down on people. He said, if you want your tranquility, your peace to last, you'll do what I say. I want you to know tonight the message of the Bible is the same. Repent. Break off your sin. Break it off. You know those bands of iron they talked about around that tree? And those bands of brass, that's the sin that had them bound. I want you to know tonight that as long as you're bound by the fetters of sin, as long as you're bound by the chains of sin, and as long as you're under the rule and the dominion of sin, you're not going to enjoy life. You're not going to have no tranquility and peace. He said, break it off. Get rid of it. I wonder tonight, what do we need to break off? This is what he was telling them. If you don't break it off, he's going to break you down. And again, remember, his problem was an invisible problem. It was one that nobody could see. And there could be someone here tonight that there's some things that you need to just break off. You remember, they caught boyfriend, girlfriend, they, that what they caught, they caught breaking up. We broke it off. 
We need, uh, there's too many people that are dating, flirting, playing with sin. The best thing you can do is just break it off. Yeah. Break it off. So, but it's so, oh, I enjoy, they love me, I love them, it's so, we enjoy, oh, listen to me, the tree's going to fall if you don't break it off. Listen to me tonight, God's axe of judgment is sharp, and when God swings the axe, He always lands on the mark. People think, well, God's not going to cut me down, God's not going to cut me down, I'm going to ask them, do you think tonight that you're a greater person than Nebuchadnezzar was? I'm talking about as far as prestigious and he was the king of Babylon. And God said, brought him down. And this tree was so big and so broad and so mighty, but it just took, listen, it just took one swing of the axe and it brought it down. Oh, John the Baptist said the axe is laid to the root of the problem, the root of the tree. When God swings, He don't swing for the branches. He don't swing for the limbs. He don't swing for the He goes for the base. He goes for the bottom. He goes to where He'll cut it down. So tonight, we can be humble or we can be humble. Tonight, do you have a, I wonder, do you have a head full of problems? <laughs> you got children, you do. You got a house full of problems. I got that. Why should we go on like nothing's wrong when we can give it to God? Let Him help us. And, let him, and by the way, those problems that are in our life, perhaps that's God trying to interrupt our lives and get our attention.